Dauber Prospects Radio, episode 38. It's kind of a special edition in that it's been a bit of a while since we've been doing a regular podcast, and I apologize for that. Uh, And this episode is also a little bit different because it's going to be an episode of just me, which means it's probably going to be a rather short episode. Uh, It's my first one flying solo, so let's all try and get through this together, shall we? Okay, so the first thing I want to do is I just kind of want to touch on on that exact topic right there that uh, we haven't been doing a lot of episodes lately, and uh, I just kind of wanted to, to get into a little about the reason why. Uh, so I had some some lifestyle changes in my personal life last year. Uh, I changed my job, uh, had some health issues and whatnot. Uh, change in, in podcast co-host has played a factor as well. Uh, my new able to get a little bit more frequent with uh, the recording of the shows and get some out on a more back to weekly or bi-weekly basis at the very least, uh, with or without Ainsley, hopefully with, because the more, the better. Uh, and I've been, uh, kind of swamped with the Dauber prospects report that's come out, uh, just recently. It's a fantastic guide as it always is. I highly recommend you pick up a copy. It'll really help you out with your, fantasy drafts that'll be coming up uh very soon or later in the in the in the summer towards the start of the nhl season on that note there's a number of really great draft guides out there's lots of of content and product for you out there to get there'll be the uh the typical newsstand magazines of which i highly recommend uh the forecaster magazine it's been my go-to since uh since it started coming out i've bought it every year it never lets me down. It's It's got some great uh, writers contributing to it. Uh, I'm also a big fan of uh, the work McKean's does. Their draft guides are, are awesome. Uh, my good friend Steve Cornianos has his uh, draft guide that's just come out. It's, uh, it's ginormous. He shot me a copy. I've had a chance to read it over a little bit. I plan on diving into it on my way to the NHL draft in Dallas. Uh, I'm heading out on Wednesday, uh, flying to to the Big D to take in all of the events and festivities and, and hopefully get a whole bunch of really great interviews uh, like I did last year with people like uh, Bob McKenzie and Jeff Merrick and Sam Constantino, the guys from Hockey Prospect Radio. Uh, I'll be able to meet up with Ainsley. Uh, I'm plan- hoping to see Steve there. Steve, hope to make it. Uh, and maybe we can do a little podcasting together there. Um, some other great uh, draft guides and guides out there. Uh, just basically, you can't have too much information. I highly recommend getting as many as you can. Support your starving writers, uh, people like myself that uh, don't do this for a living. Uh, sacrifice hours and hours and hours of uh, our own time watching games, doing some writing uh, on the road, taking in games as much as we can. It, it's a labor of love, and we do it because we love it, not because the money's great, but uh, a little bit of money helps. So uh, check out some guides. Uh, Cam Robinson's uh, latest final rankings are also up on Dauber Prospects. That's something I I encourage you to, to take a look at. Cam does some really great stuff. Also coming up on on Dauber Prospects, another thing that's been eating up a little bit of my time lately is uh, the organizational rankings for 2018. I'm going to plug away at this tomorrow night and hopefully have it all finished by the time the draft starts because once I'm in the draft and the draft is over, uh, all those organizational rankings will probably get shuffled a little bit as uh, teams add some uh, more prospects to to their roster. And that'll change things up a little bit, uh, but it's uh, one of our more 
popular articles, the one that we updated uh, last year in the fall, and it's due for for our refresh. Uh, we are going to clean it up a little bit. Some of the feedback we got on it was uh, people wanted more explanation as to how the rankings go. So here's how it works. It's a, a collaborative effort. Uh, the five writers in total, including myself, of the, the senior staff at Dauber Prospects, uh, all contribute. What we do is we go through and we rank all 31 teams' top 10 prospects. We give them uh, a letter grade or a score, uh, and then we look at under-21 roster players that they have, and those add to their score. And then we look uh, beyond their top 10. So each team scores at least 10 players. Um, so Pittsburgh Penguins, for example, they don't have a very deep prospect bench and they don't have a, a lot of guys off the top of my head that are under 21 contributing on the roster. Uh, so they score pretty poorly. And then you have teams like uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, and they have a number of prospects who are under 21 on the roster and contributing. They have depth at every position and they have depth beyond their top 10. They scored very highly. Uh, I have some some comments from a number of the writers as well. Uh, that I'll go into a little bit of detail about it. I'll do a little write-up on each team. Uh, I'll include my top 10 ranking for each team as well and uh, a little bit of a little bit of insight as to, you know, and some teams are a little bit all over the map. I might have a team ranked in the top five and another writer might have them lower in the 15 range. So I will indicate which teams, uh, their average ranking uh, that'll be like a 4.8 overall or a 12.9. And I'll say, you know, one writer had them as high as two, another writer had them as low as 20, etc. So it'll be a really interesting and uh, rather lengthy article. So look forward to that. And I'll do my very best to crush that tomorrow night and get it out um, before I have to start thinking about packing for a trip to Dallas. All right. Some other news that's happened since our last episode, and there's been lots of the Stanley Cup finals over. Not a lot of prospect relevant information there. So we'll just say congratulations to the Washington Capitals and skip over that. The Toronto Marlies won their first Calder Cup. Unfortunately, I was not in the house, but I watched a number of the games on their way there. And uh, once the Leafs were eliminated, they got an influx of uh, talented players. Not to put too fine a point on it, Andreas Johnson. He won the uh, the Most Valuable Player Award, and uh, he won it in convincing fashion. In 16 games, he had himself 10 goals, 14 assists for 24 points and was a plus 13. He scored a number of key goals, game-winning, series-winning goals, that kind of variety of stuff. Uh, no surprise to me, he's kind of the, the slam-dunk selection for the Most Valuable Player there. Another player on the Marlies that uh, I liked and I think he's going to make an audition for the big team next year is uh, Carl Grundstrom. He managed to play in 20 of the games, had himself eight goals and and six six assists. Sorry, Uh, that's 14 points. Uh, He's big. He can skate. Uh, I think he's he's trending towards at least getting a look on the Leafs roster for next year. He played in the playoffs for the Marlies at the end of last year. Uh, chose to go back and play the full season in Sweden. That season ended again this year, and he finished the season playing in, in the playoffs with the Marlies. So they got a couple of ringers uh, later on in the season to really help bolster their roster, which knocked a number of players out of the roster. Uh, guys like Jeremy Bracco, for example, he didn't see much ice. Um, but it was a great series, and uh, you know, so stick taps to the Marlies, and congratulations for them. 
Okay, so I had a few questions on on Twitter directed towards uh, what are some things that people would like me to talk about on the show. Uh, so I'll try and get to a, a few of those. If you have any other uh, items that you would like me to to discuss in a future episode of the DPR show, just uh, shoot it out with a hashtag uh, DPR. Send it to the Twitter account here, DPR underscore show, or send it to myself. Uh, at Farling. All right. So one of the first questions was, uh, what are some uh, boomer bust players uh, coming up in the 2018 NHL entry draft? So uh, first off the top of my head, I think the biggest name on that list has to be uh, Ryan Merkley. There's been a lot of a lot of digital ink spilled on this kid, and uh, he's he's a tremendous skater. He's got offensive uh, abilities out the wazoo. Um, and yet, while the consensus among scouts is he's a top 10, top 5 ranked skill level player, not everyone is uh, confident and comfortable putting him in their their first round. So uh, there's a lot of speculation as to why that is, and uh, I don't know the kid. I don't have any inside information or anything like that, so I really can't say. Uh, I listened to the latest episode of the podcast. Uh, Bob McKenzie tried to shed some light on that. Uh, <clears throat> wasn't too specific or forthcoming, so I didn't really feel like I, I gained any insight there. I think just needless to say, the kid really needs to learn how to play defense. He, his off-ice issues or mental attitude issues, whatever his issues are, um, it kind of reminds me a lot of Anthony D'Angelo. Here's a player who had absolutely no problems scoring at the junior level and uh, has has yet to find a home in the NHL. He's bounced around on at least three teams now. And uh, I can see something similar happening with Ryan Merkley. He's he's going to have another two years in junior. I would not be surprised if, you know, he wherever he gets drafted, he goes back to the OHL next year, has a massive offensive season and uh and all the fantasy guys are are clamoring to grab him thinking wow what a steal that was tremendous value for whoever drafted him at the end of the first round or early second round wherever he goes and then he just you know he's not able to transition his game to the pro level that's a distinct possibility i hope the kid can figure it out and he can find his way onto an nhl roster and makes whatever team drafts him look like geniuses uh so some other boomer bust candidates i think you uh you always have to look at the Russian factor as a possibility with some players. I think Vitaly Kravtsov, Grigory Denisenko, Alexei Havanov are all some Russian players that are highly skilled guys. Um, and yet at the same time, who knows if they'll be able to to put it together at the NHL level or, or come over or find greener pastures in the KHL. Akil Thomas is another one, a player from uh, from the OHL. Uh, I, I see a lot of a lot of skill in him. He's, he's, he's a talented player. He does a lot of things really well. He, he skates well. He's got good vision. He plays defense. He's good pass, good shot. But he doesn't do anything great. And I think that, well, maybe it's not absolutely necessary, but it certainly helps ease your path to the NHL if you can say, I'm freaking awesome at shooting or uh, taking face-offs, whatever it is, playing defense, uh, creating carrying the puck with speed up the ice and transition. Uh, any one of those things, is, is it really helps find you a niche or a role on a, on a team that you know maybe they're lacking in whatever it is that you excel at, and that gives you the advantage over player B, who's just good all around at everything but not great at anything. So I think uh, that's, that's potentially a boomer bust player. Another thing, uh, let's do a lot of talk about the upcoming draft in, in this episode today. 
Uh, so something I've been I've been thinking about a little bit lately and, and noticing is as players coming from uh, other areas, non-traditional areas, coming into the draft, um, they're starting to be picked higher. Uh, they're starting to have more of an impact right away. Um, and, and I think that's really important for fantasy hockey. You want to pick players who, coming from the draft, cannot have to sit on your prospect bench or roster for five years until they're 22 or whatever, uh, and then have a, a, a faster path to the NHL. Um, next year they're in the league, or two years from now they're they're in the league and they're contributing and they're giving you some stats. Um, or at least you know what you have with them. And that's the problem with a lot of the kids who are 18 years old in the draft is you got to wait a couple of years to really get a handle on what it is you have. So I like the overage players a little bit when, it, when I'm looking at the draft. And a number of players uh, that I wrote about in the Dauber Prospect Report that I'll share with you today that are overagers are guys who I would not hesitate to target in my uh, mid to late rounds of my entry draft in my fantasy league, depending on how deep your pool is and how many rounds you have. So the first player is uh, Finnish goalie Vili Vehalainen. I've noticed this kid at uh, the World Juniors, and he was uh, just dynamite for Finland. He was brick wall. He was really hard to score on. He's big. He's athletic. He's quick. Um, I couldn't believe he, he wasn't drafted, and then he went undrafted again. And this is like his third time going through the draft, He's or fourth time. It's his last year of eligibility in the draft. So... I really want to say that this is the year he gets picked. This is Vehalainen's year. Uh, if he's not drafted, I'm, I'm certain that some team should at least give him an invitation to training camp and see if he can um, do what he does at uh, in Laga in the Pro League in Finland over here in North America. Um, again, so this is a guy who's is over 20 years old already. So you don't have to wait very long to figure out what you have um you take a late round gamble on him and uh if he signs and comes over to north america bam there you go you've got yourself uh, a commodity another player i'm very familiar with is <clears throat> linus uh newman l-i-n-u-s-n-y-n-a-n but his name is pronounced newman he played for uh the kingston frontenacs uh two the last two years now as one of their finnish import players he wasn't drafted in in the draft in chicago last year and I'm, I'm feeling that he's going to get drafted in, in Dallas this year. He was one of the top 10 scorers in the OHL all season long. Um, and as the Frontenacs started loading up for their playoff run and, and adding star players like uh, Cliff Poo and Gabe Velarde and Max Jones, his ice time didn't diminish. His role on the team didn't diminish. His production didn't diminish. He only got better. Um, the kid can score some clutch goals. He's a little undersized, but he's, he's pretty quick. He's got great hands. He can carry the puck with his head up. He was hard to hit. Uh, he's got a nose for the net. And I think he, he proved that he's ready to start playing pro hockey. He's agreed to play next year back home in Finland. So he's going back to Finland to play pro hockey. And I think that's great for his development. Um, so he's a player I think might not be too far removed from a, a shot at an NHL team. A couple defensemen who had great seasons this year, uh, one, Scott Perunovic. Uh, he was not drafted last year, and rightfully so. He didn't really have anything noteworthy about his file. And then this year, uh, the kid's playing in the NCAA. He earns himself a spot on the American World Junior roster. Uh, didn't look out of place. 
uh, played on their power play. He was able to uh, run the power play, carry the puck in transition, create some offense, distributes the puck really well from the back end. Uh, I really liked what I saw from this kid, and I was like, who the hell is Scott Perunovic? Um, and then he went back home after the World Juniors, and he proceeded to win a NCAA championship. Um, so he's, he's probably got another year of, of college to go before he's ready to, to turn pro, but I think that uh, he might not be long for the pro game. Give him a season in, in, in college, and then maybe one or a half a season in the AHL before he's uh, knocking on an NHL roster's doorstep, of course. It all depends on who picks him. Another one is uh, from the OHL, Sean Dersey. He had uh, he had a really great season. He started off like a firecracker, uh, and then he kind of kind of faded a tiny bit, but not enough to raise any you know concerns or red flags. Like ah, that's why he wasn't drafted because he's actually not that good. He actually is. Uh, I think he's a. A, a great player, you get another overage player you might want to take a look at, and he's got one more year of junior eligibility that I'm sure he'll play, and then after that you'll have a really good indication as to uh, as to what you have with him. All right, another league that uh, is starting to get, I think, a little bit more notoriety in players uh, NHL drafting um, from their from their Canadian Junior Hockey League, so the BCHL, AJHL leagues like that. Um, so this year there's about four or five players that I think you might want to know. Uh, they don't necessarily get the fanfare because they don't play in the, in the big leagues and there's just not as much attention to them. So the first guy is a big center. His name's Jack McBain. He played for the Toronto Marlboros or something like that. And, uh, he's headed off to, uh, Boston college. Uh, they really know how to develop players. He didn't have such a spectacular year and, for a player who's got great size and, and touted to be a good offensive player, he had a good season, you know, he, over a point a game, but you really want to see him just dominate at that level. Um, another note on this league, don't don't hesitate to to pick players from this league and think, well, they're not good enough to play in, in the OHL or the WHL. That's not the case. They choose not to play in those leagues because they've decided that they, they want their careers to go through the college route, and I think there's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, so they get to stay at home a little bit longer, uh, play at home, and uh, and then they head off to college and they get themselves uh, free education. And you know if they're drafted and the NHL team offers them a contract, and then they can decide to play in the NHL faster if they want to. Uh, or at least turn pro and play in the AHL. So players that go the junior route, uh, they have to play out their junior eligibility before they can turn pro for a league that's not the NHL. Uh, so it gives them an opportunity to turn pro faster. Another player uh, is Austin Wong. So first heard about this kid at uh, the Top Prospects game when I went. The the CHL, CJHL Top Prospects game was uh, a few days before. So all the scouts that were in, in the GTA area for the Top Prospect game in Guelph went to see this game in, in Port Hope as well. And uh, so talking to guys like Russ Cohen and Shane Malloy, they, they were really... Uh, fascinated with Austin Wong in that uh, he kind of stole the show a little bit. I mean, the kid is, is, he's undersized, but he just goes and hits anything that moves. And he turned that game into a bit of a shit show where players were going out of their way to try to get back at this kid. So he scored goals. He threw some massive hits. He's a bit of a predatory hitter is what I understand. Uh, So if you're in a league that has 
multiple scoring categories. Uh, I think this kid might not stuff the the stat sheet, but he had two over two hundred penalty minutes uh, last season, and uh, they don't track hits. But I, I imagine his his hit count was was awfully high as well. Uh, so I really like players like that personally. They're fun to cheer for, and when they're on your fantasy team, they're even more fun to cheer for. And when they play for you know a team that you love to hate, then they're even better to have on your on your roster. Uh, a couple defensemen to uh, look out for from that league would be Johnny Tyconic. Uh, I think he's a little bit more well known. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people might be familiar with him. He's, he's played for Team Canada a little bit. Offensive defenseman, uh, also headed the NCAA route. Uh, Jacob Bernard Docker is his uh, line mate, or not his line, but his best friend, and uh, they uh, they're very similar players. Bernard Docker is a little bit more. Uh, all-around stay-at-home defensive two-way, but I think that's just because he played with Tyconic for Canada and uh, uh, he was the yin to his yang, but he's got his own offensive abilities. And Slava Damon is the other one. I uh, don't know quite as much about this guy, but uh, uh, he's more of a defensive defenseman, so that doesn't really translate well to fantasy hockey. All right. And some people suggest that they're interested in uh, mock drafts. We did a mock draft on our last episode, uh, Ainsley and myself, and we brought on uh, Cam as well. Uh, it's a great episode. We each took turns picking. Uh, we got through the round, and, and then we, we talked about it afterwards a little bit and gave some more insight on the picks and what we thought about other people's picks and so on. Uh, so if you didn't catch that episode, uh, it's episode 39. Back it up, watch that, or listen to that. Personally, I kind of hate mock drafts. I think they're a waste of time and a exercise in futility because... Um, well, quite frankly, for this draft, after Erasmus Dahlin goes first overall, uh, pretty much anything could happen. Uh, so doing a mock draft, it only takes one player or team to, to screw up your order, and then it's all irrelevant. However, I, I'm a man of the people, and someone asked me to, to go through the top 10, so, uh, so let's do this, and we'll try and make it as fun as possible. So right out of the bat, first of all, Buffalo takes Erasmus Dahlin, period. That's not really up for negotiation. Uh, second up would be the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, so a lot of speculation that they are going to take Andre Svechnikov here. Uh, they've pretty much come out and said that. He's the consensus second-ranked person now. Uh, he's put a little bit of separation between himself and the rest of the pack. I think that's probably the case, but I wouldn't rule out the possibility that if someone comes along and wants to trade up to the second spot to pick Svechnikov, um, if Carolina is confident that they can get Zadina uh, with their with their pick, whoever they trade uh, down to, um, and if they get a, a good enough sweetener for them to think, you know, it's Zadina down to Svechnikov isn't that bad, and what they're offering us is pretty fantastic, and Zadina played real, real well at the World Juniors with with our Martin Nashcash. So why don't we, uh, why don't we take the deal, trade down, pick Zadina, play him with Nashcash, and, and add some to more of our overall depth. Whether or not that happens, of course, I have absolutely no idea. I'm sure Carolina would be open to the idea. So teams that would be interested in trading up to get that pick, uh, it's a long list, but only I think teams in the top five really have that, uh, have that potential. Um, so that's Montreal, Ottawa, Arizona, 
maybe Detroit at six. Detroit would make a lot of sense to me because if they want to trade up to get Svechnikov, they've got his older brother already in the system. Uh, so there'd be a lot of uh, comfort zone there between the player and uh, the organization. Um, and I think he's exactly the kind of player that the Red Wings would like. I think they've got uh, a number of good prospects. Uh, most of them are a few years away, though. I think what Detroit really wants is to get some players that can help them contribute, uh, get them back in the winning now. Uh, I don't think that Detroit wants to tear it down, trade everyone away, draft lottery three or four years in a row uh, and do it that way. I think they're more interested in doing this quickly, um, drafting a player from the draft that can step onto their roster next year and make an impact, maybe look at uh, free agency depending on what their cap situation is, which off the top of my head, I'm not sure, but I I don't think it's very good. So no John Tavares scenario there. But anyways, if, if Caroline wanted to take Svechnikov, that wouldn't be a bad idea. If they could come up with some assurances that they could trade down a couple of spots and get Zadina, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. Um, third up would be Montreal Canadiens. And this is, this is real interesting and a uh, topical pick right now with, uh, a lot of leaks coming out that they want a center and not to put too fine a point on it. The guy they want is just Barry Kotkaniemi, uh, big Finnish center, uh, played in Liga last year. I can see, fin- uh, Montreal wanting to, to add a center. I think if you're picking third overall though, you can't really look at your organizational need and draft for position you just have to pick the best player available and at three overall Kotkaniemi ain't it um so either Montreal just goes ahead and and picks either Zadina or Sveshnikov whoever doesn't get picked at second overall or uh, maybe looks at one of the defensemen um or if they really have the heart set on Kotkaniemi then maybe they want want to do is trade down and uh get a number of other assets they have multiple second round picks i'm sure they could trade down a couple of spots maybe include a second round pick or two if necessary uh and then you know swap with a team like detroit or arizona or vancouver and get themselves uh, a really good asset maybe another first round pick in 2019 or a roster player that can come in and uh maybe play center um Anyhow, uh, it'd be interesting to see what Montreal does there. Uh, I think they trade down, or or they just pick Kotkaniemi and mm, live with the ridicule. Uh, next up, fourth overall, the Ottawa Senators. So this one is also really interesting because right now Ottawa is just an absolute tire fire. Their assistant GM is uh, suspended facing criminal charges for sexual harassment. They've got the Hoffman-Carlson situation. Carlson with one year to go on his contract. Um, there's just nothing good going on in Ottawa right now. The fans are hating the owner. Um, if things keep spiraling out of control the way they're going, don't be surprised if the NHL steps in and forces them to sell the team and maybe even, you know, move them to Quebec City or something like that. Anyhow, back to their pick. Um, really what I think the Ottawa Senators need to do is surrender that pick to Colorado and not risk ending up in a lottery position and getting the first overall pick next year uh, and giving away uh, Jack Hughes to the Colorado Avalanche next year. The fourth overall is is a tough pill to swallow. It's going to hurt, I know, but I have a hard time believing that they're going to be much worse in the lottery standings next year than where they are now, and it could even be better, um, which 
if they had to surrender that pick would be worse. Um, so I think this is a time for Ottawa to surrender that pick, uh, trade, obviously trade Mike Kaufman if they can, uh, trade Eric Carlson if uh, they can get some tremendous futures and assets and, and a package for him because I don't think he's long for Ottawa. Um, I'd be surprised if he was willing to resign there if uh, ownership and management doesn't have a complete overhaul and in order for that to happen it would have to happen like really soon too so that the new regime can come in and establish themselves as a desirable place uh to be uh they, that they treat their players right and can do some damage control here um so fourth overall ottawa i think if i was them i would surrender the pick to colorado which means colorado's up here and uh Depending on what has happened before that with either Buffalo or Carolina trading uh, away or sorry, or Montreal trading their pick away, uh, what they would want is a sniper. So if they can get their hands on Zadina at this point, then I think they would. Otherwise, I think the player that they like might be uh, Brady Kachuk. After that, I get a little bit less carried away and just go with some straight up picks. So at fifth, we got uh, Arizona. And I think this is where uh, we start to see the D go. Uh, I'd like to see Arizona Coyotes pick uh, Quinn Hughes, Jack's little older brother. Uh, I think he's just what the doctor ordered on Arizona. And next up would be Detroit. And unless they trade up and take Sveshnikov, which is possible but unlikely, I suppose, uh, I think they're looking at a, at a forward here. Uh, Oliver Wallstrom makes a lot of sense to me. I could see uh, Detroit adding that power forward sniper kind of guy. Uh, and then we go with a huge run on D. Uh, so six overall is Vancouver, and I really like them to pick uh, Noah Dobson. Uh, they might be tempted to take Bouchard because he and Olu Levy played in London together, but uh, I don't think that's a big enough connection, and I think Dobson is a, is a better player. Uh, so if I was Vancouver, I would, I would certainly go with Noah Dobson. His performance at the uh, Memorial Cup, which I didn't talk about, was uh, was fantastic. He just kind of dominated. And like I said last year of Joe Valeno, this is a kid who's um, playing in a tournament that's really dominated by older players. The, the teams that make it to the Memorial Cup typically have some really good 19- and 20-year-old players, uh, veterans in the league. They've got an age advantage over uh, some of the other teams uh, it usually means that after that season is over, they have a huge roster turnover. They lose their stars, the majority of them. Uh, and their roster is diminished, and they trade away whatever's left to, to go into a full-on rebuild. Um, so anyways, Noah Dobson kind of dominated against that kind of talent level, and it was, it was pretty hard to miss. Uh, looking at eighth, we got the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, they're going to pick a D as well, and uh, I think the best player available at this point would be Adam Boquist. So they go to Sweden for their pick. Uh, ninth overall. So unless Colorado picks uh, Brady Kachuk, and uh, I think they would take Zadina first. So if Kachuk is still available on the board right now, uh, I don't think there's any way he gets past the New York Rangers. They just hired uh, his Boston College coach, um, David Quinn, I think is his name. So he'll be very familiar with Kachuk. Uh, he might be able to lure him out of college and uh, see if he can't get him to play in the NHL right away. Even if Kachuk doesn't make the NHL, there was another rumor out there that he might consider uh, going to to junior uh, next year and, and bailing on the NCAA. It's not unheard of. Uh, I'm not sure what would be his motivation for that. 
maybe he wants to play a more pro style game and he doesn't feel that college is doing it for him. His stats at college weren't fantastic. He's playing against a lot of older players. But uh, as I mentioned before, playing in, in junior and going to the London Knights would uh, would mean that he, after that, he'd only have to, two options to continue playing for London until his junior eligibility expires or play in the NHL. That kind of rules out the middle ground of the AHL. So right now, I think he's got the option to play in any, any of those leagues. Um, so... I think he's NHL ready too. I mean, you look at what his brother did, uh, Matt Kachuk with Calgary. He was picked a little uh, early in the draft as well. And uh, he walked right onto the Flames roster and started making an impact. Um, A lot of scouts think that Brady Kachuk is is even better than Matt. So I don't see any reason why Matt Kachuk can't, or sorry, Brady Kachuk can't uh, start in the NHL as soon as September. Tenth overall pick and the last one, Edmonton Oilers. Uh, best player available is Evan Bouchard and that's where they go he's uh, just what they need he's a nice puck distributing defenseman he's going to get the puck uh, to Connor McDavid as often as he can and good things are going to happen um, he had a great top prospect game he had a number of points he's the kind of player that I think you want in your fantasy league because when you get up in the morning and you look at the box scores it's going to be you know especially if he goes to Edmonton it's going to be you know McDavid from Bouchard McDavid from so-and-so and Bouchard so-and-so from McDavid and Bouchard uh the guy's just gonna be all over your box scores with assists all over the place uh plus he's got a hell of a shot um all right I think that's just about everything I had for uh this little mini episode so I hope you liked it sorry we didn't have a co-host sorry we didn't have a guest but uh Next week, I'll be, uh, I'll be in Dallas taking in all the festivities at the draft, getting lots of interviews, talking to lots of people, and uh, having some, uh, some good content then. So until then, keep your stick on the ice, and uh, we'll see you in the rink.